In this episode of Wild Rixia, we shall be venturing out to see some of the more interesting local flora. Our first stop takes us to a patch of razor grass. These tall reeds look perfectly normal aside from their red coloring at the top of the stalks. However, when the wind begins to blow, the sinister tool for taking down small game, as well as any unsuspecting travelers that happen to be in the area, are revealed. Once the wind picks up, the scale-like razors on the stalk become active. Any small game hiding among these plants will meet a swift end within the whipping reeds. The roots of the plant soak up every bit of the prey, leaving only the bones behind. Until next time, may the day greet you with the potential of a runic sunrise and fill you with the wonder of a runic sunset. That was a particularly choral one this evening. Uh, Greetings, everyone. Welcome once more to the Reckless Attack podcast. We are indeed a fifth edition Dungeons & Dragons actual play podcast, and I am, as always, your GM, Nathan, here with my excellent and powerful players, starting with to my right. Hi, everyone. My name is Steve, and I am playing Selv Asterlin, the dragonborn monk who uh, got a good night's sleep in (laughs) inn of doors. Yeah, for the first time in quite yeah. some time. And uh, the Inn of Doors did not try to snack on him. Nope. Also, for the first time in quite some time. Yeah. Always good there. Uh, things are looking up. And to my right. Hi, everyone. I'm David, and I play Castrin Brightmane, Dwarven Warlock, who is dead <laughs> to the world because he's asleep. Dead. Asleep. <laughs> Aha, right? Right, Nathan? Right? <laughs> you guys? Uh, how do you? I asked you to roll a dice before we started recording. What was the result of that? <laughs> oh, no. It's the, very important. The good news is 75% of you have woken up. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and to my right. Hi, everyone. I'm Jonathan, and I play Checkers, the Grungdrid, and it's Trusty Frog Pals, Mango, and Junior. And Checkers is looking forward to being lightly cursed today uh, <laughs> by hanging out with Warren, his new buddy from the Tailspun Order. And hopefully with enough just like physical contact and hanging out with him, he'll get some sweet tattoos. That is how tattoos usually yes. work. Yep. As far as Changes. I know. Mm-hmm. Yes. As, as we all know, tattoos are migratory. Yes. <laughs> what if the in your tribe people had tattoos, but they were only ever temporary tattoos? They were just <laughs> passed on by like very intense hugs mm-hmm. and you're just like ah oh, now i have a tattoo yeah <laughs> neato and to my right hi everyone i'm sophie and i play valeska carter the human astro cleric of the arcana domain and val sped through her sendings and her note-taking last night to just dive into that bed like ready for some good quality sleeps yeah, how does every how did everyone's characters? It was really funny at the end of last episode that there was a lot of enthusiasm, being like, "Yeah, we'll drink, we'll tell stories, we'll learn." Uh, actually, what if we went to bed? Uh, which I felt was a very reasonable choice for the record. How does everyone feel after a week plus on the road? And it was a harrowing week of, well, let's say mud was not kind of the worst obstacle in your way, though there was a lot of it. How did you guys feel about? Getting to relax, being some degree of civilization in an albeit cursed giant tree city with a lot of birds everywhere, but at least you had a soft bed. Freaking great. <laughs> <laughs> 15 out of 10 would would do again. Just, yeah, you, just okay. out, dead. Yeah, I think Val would have taken like, the opportunity to like get a bath, just be like clean and dry. <laughs> yep. For like the first time in a very long time. And just, like, cozy up, you know, after, like, a really long day, you've just been moving constantly, and you never really get, like, a break, and then all of a sudden you stop, and you're like, oh, well, I am tired. Yes, yeah. It's like that kind of thing, where it's just, like, she, like, snuggles under the covers, 
and like doesn't remember falling asleep because it was right. so immediate. Right. Just absolutely walloped in the face yeah. with sleepiness. Yeah. Casgrain paid extra for the bubble bath. Uh, yes. <laughs> and then just ate and drank food in the bath and really like luxuriated for like four hours. This is maybe too specific of a question. How did Kaskrin leave this bath? If he's eating, he's bubbling, he's doing all, he's washing off all the grime. Does he take care to leave it pristine the next morning? Or is it like, ooh, I should really take care of that or tell room service about the situation in the bath there? I would say he cleans up after himself. Like, he's not going to leave that to someone else. Like, you know, it's a little bit like, it's my mess, I will take care of that. <laughs> this is the national park rules of yeah, bathtubs. Yeah, yeah, leave no trace, yeah. Well, as mentioned, you guys are waking up in kind of this strange, unnamed suburban inn as you guys were led there by Juniper, one of the raven mounts of the city of Deepwood, who has filled you in, essentially telling you, well, we think we're cursed. And it's a secret. Um, we're not really sure why we're keeping it a secret, but it's secret for some reason. You guys have an audience with the Council of Elders, which is known as the Council of Oak here in the city, both to find out where you guys are headed next on your journey, just to get some lay of the land kind of situation, but also hopefully open the council to the idea of letting in some recent refugees from the city of Crossroads nearby, which was just attacked. Today is indeed the day of this city council meeting. You were able to get an audience pretty much right away, and it is just the four Golden Tree Adventurers, the Fortunate, the Undead Centurion with you, and the aforementioned Warren and was it ba ba Balfar, right? Is that what the name? I what did I say? That sounds right. <laughs> well, uh, and Baltar, uh, the dwarf is Baltar. Baltar. B-A-L-T-A-R. Exactly. Uh, as as their name has always been. Yes, precisely. One of them is a tattooed member of the Tailspun Order, a kind of like storytelling guild, and uh, his his assistant who is markedly less tattooed, and another one named Amber Thunderwalker, who is kind of a indeterminately aged woman and has clearly been wandering around Rixia a lot. Both of them have kind of their reasons for also going to the council and also are on the agenda today, so to speak. And as we fade in on this lovely day here in Deepwood, it's a little shady because of all the branches and whatnot, uh, but it's a very nice, pleasant, if maybe crisp day. You all wake up to some very pleasing smells of breakfast, of maybe coffee, of tea, of, you know, just kind of, ah, it smells like I'm waking up in an inn. The first voices you guys probably hear are that of Amber and Warren, who are downstairs in kind of the main area uh, where you guys were drinking and hanging out last night, uh, who are, you know, already up and having some sort of, uh, you know, colorful conversation. Oh, well, I was just going to ask, is this a continental breakfast? <laughs> Important question. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll say it's a continental breakfast, but it's a continental breakfast that also has like an omelet station, you know, mm -hmm. and yeah. like a made to order a little bit. Yeah, exactly. There's just enough where it's like, yeah. And they have pre pre portioned uh, waffle batter cups nice. that you can just pour <laughs> in for yourself. But also it's a lot of, you know, muffins that have been there. Who knows how long in this world of magic, maybe magically preserved with, I don't know, good berries in them Another for who knows how long. important follow-up question. Is it a shaped waffle iron? Ooh. <laughs> if so, what shape? What, yeah, well, what okay. Shape? Well, the answer is Circles yes. are shapes. The answer is, yes, it is. Is it a non-circular waffle iron? Yes. Are they tree waffles? Well, are they dino waffles? I was going, I was going to go tree waffles, but I don't know if trees make for a good waffle shape. And then I was going to go, well, what if it's a leaf? And it's like, well, I don't want to be too on the nose as you guys are all wearing leaves as part of your guild insignia. And then my I mean, brain but just like, It's a up. raven? That's what I'm wondering. <laughs> Maybe it's a burb. But we don't have dibs on leaves. No, that's <laughs> you true. Know, they're a tree city. They have as much right to leaves it's, as the Golden Tree no, 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 Adventuring. No. The Reckless Attack podcast has patented leaves. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody else. Our, 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 IP. Our, our guild badge leaves are very pointy and kind of uh, yeah, like geometric. A lot of hard angles. It's an so, oak leaf. You right. Know? This one's more of a, of a, you know, kind of maybe a maple or maybe a, uh, you know, just a, a more circular, 
you know, curved leaf, uh, legally distinct. Kaskrin has come down and uh, enjoyed the continental breakfast. <laughs> he has a plate with a waffle of indeterminate shape that will <laughs> remain a mystery until Kaskrin, you observe how are you, it. How are you so bad at making waffles? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Now I, now I want the magical item, the waffle of indeterminate shape. <laughs> <laughs> and he will, you know, go up and join the conversation with Amber and Warren and kind of just say... I apologize. I, I missed the party last night. Please don't tell me I missed anything too cool. Warren, who again, I believe I described as kind of a, a bald, middle-aged human, where he's not covered with a relatively scanty robe, is covered in tattoos of, as you guys learned, all of the various stories that he has vowed to commit to memory and spread across the world. And he says, yes, you should be sure to talk to your friend Checkers, but otherwise, no, it was a, a lovely evening, but... There's always a lovely evening to be had in a tavern, in an inn, or amongst strangers, don't you find? And Casper will quickly integrate himself into that conversation. Now, Casper, uh, I don't know, is, that, is everyone else kind of, like, migrating down now? I was going to say, speaking of checkers, uh, <laughs> any, anyone, anyone who comes down to breakfast this morning would see checkers riding atop Mango, just kind of crawling down the stairs. And unlike his usual cheery self, Checkers is just, like, laying on top of Mango, just half dead, it seems like, <laughs> wearing the large hat of the Prime Pursuant. And the big notable thing about this is the hat of the Prime Pursuant has a new addition to it, in that it now sports a large two-foot-tall raven feather just sticking right <laughs> out the front of it. And Checkers just kind of lays down on Mango. Mango's just crawling right up to the table for breakfast and Checkers just like hi hi everyone Checkers are are you okay you don't look so good I'm fine I'm alright look at my hat uh it's uh, cool right I retired for it are, are you like laying face down yeah Checkers is just like laying face down not he's like talking voice, in, voice slightly, slightly muffled talking yeah. into mango just like the hat looks good right right I worked uh, so hard <laughs> uh Amber Thunderwalker, uh, the elf woman, kind of reaches her hand down and, uh, you know, just kind of like lifts your head up a little bit as as anyone who else is around and probably checkers too can see her hand glowing a little bit uh, with magic. And, but mostly it's kind of like lifting your head up by your <laughs> by your chin just a little bit. And some is uh, everything all right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm fine. It's all good. Don't worry about it. Do you let her raise your chin up? I think while she's doing that, Checkers is just going to, like, put one hand on his hat just to hold it in place <laughs> as he lifts his head up and goes to look at the rest of the table. Checkers, do you have something under there? Please don't tell me you stole something. It's just a cool hat. I just wanted to show it to you. I don't see what the problem is. Don't look underneath. And Kaskrin will get up from this table and kind of, like, walk over put one giant rock hand <laughs> on the top of the hat and just, like, pull it off. And underneath, you just see the top of Checker's head is just, like, covered in these big, red, angry welts. <laughs> like, he's just been pecked a hundred times. And Cashman puts the hat back down. Yep, he's fine. <laughs> Amber Thunderwalker, kind of, like, smirking, she says, um, I can take care of that for you if you'd like. Yeah, that'd be great, thanks. <laughs> he, uh, She kind of, like, snakes her hand up underneath the hat, keeping it keeping it on, uh, <laughs> where there's a bit of sharp pain as <laughs> some, something touches yeah. all of these horrible uh, miscellaneous welts that, who knows, could have come from anywhere. Probably <laughs> anywhere. not a lot of birds. And you feel this glow of healing energy, kind of like very uniquely, like it almost warms you. Mm -hmm. You know, where it's very comforting, and it's like, I was going to say, like, she lit a comforting fire on the top of your head. But I realized <laughs> that maybe a fire on your head is not necessarily comforting. It's but like you get what I mean. a warm bath. Like that yes. feeling when you step into... Yes. It's very, very soothing. And, and Checkers feels much better, but just remains sprawled on Mango. Just like, no, this is where I'm going to spend my morning. <laughs> Thanks. Selvel come downstairs after having just missed most of that. <laughs> And then just kind of walk over to the bar and say, tea, uh, gray, hot. <clears throat> Sorry. 
I had something in my throat. <laughs> there was a little something in my throat right there. Uh, but uh, tea, tea would be nice. And um, any kind of uh, meat you have, roasted meat, would be wonderful this morning. The bartender, who has not said a word the entirety of your stay, just like looks at you kind of again, is wearing similar stuff to Juniper, where is just covered pretty head to toe with robes. It's less less armory, but it still has no kind of visible skin or face showing. Uh, just takes a big kettle off the uh, off a stove in the back, and you know, kind of rustles you up a plate. I think Val has allowed herself to snooze in a little bit. <laughs> oh yeah, but then we'll eventually make her way down uh, for breakfast and join in the conversation. With everybody, uh, make sure the fortunate has made their way down as well. Um, unsure where they ended up. I think we got them their own room. Unsure. There's no real competition for rooms yeah. in this inn. It was and literally. They don't have a lot of visitors up here. No, exactly. Yeah, so. so you weren't even assigned rooms. It was literally just like find we, a room we all that got no one is in. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy. And yeah, so the fortunate, you guys only barely notice them come down in kind of their weird stealthy way where you almost like feel them coming in that weird kind of creepy aura uh, kind of re-enter your awareness and your life <laughs> uh, where it had been absent for just a little bit and that was kind of nice um, but kind of just stakes out a table in the corner again Amber would turn to one of you guys and say oh does does your uh, does your friend need anything no uh. They're okay. And Val would like have mind linked the fortune and been like, Do you want to join our table? I know you don't need food. Do you want food? No. I'll make you waffle. Um, that's very kind that's very kind of you. I have found I tried to just stay back. Presents fewer questions. Sounds good. Kaskrin will, after having finished breakfast, say to Warren. You know, I actually, I don't think I caught what you were in town for. An esteemed member of the Tailspun Order like yourself. Ah, uh, yes. Well, um, I and my dear assistant here, he gestures over his shoulder at the dwarf who is now eyeing a plate of bacon that he has not been able to eat yet, are hoping to gain, well, I don't know if this is a place that has a, a library per se, or if it's a... This place has been so closed off for so long, I I had to do the due diligence and ask if I could sit with an esteemed scholar, with someone who might be able to give me stories. Val has too much waffle in her mouth to the, immediately recite the type of library Deepwood has and its estimated volume yep. of works. <laughs> there we have it. A case in point, all I'm looking for is just... A bit of access, it can be supervised, it can be whatever, but I, our order does not go past places like this, assuming all the stories have already been found. Selv will, uh, as he's continuing to eat, leave a little bit of food on his plate and just kind of like slide the plate over towards Baltar. He looks at it hungrily, but does not move. <laughs> all right, well, I guess, I guess, uh, I guess we'll just, uh, we'll leave it there until, uh. And then uh, Selv will sip his tea, kind of lean back in the chair and sip his tea. Now, Warren, can I call you Warren? Of course. I don't mean to be too forward, but do you happen to know another member of the Tailspun Order by the name of Bertram? Uh, Bertram, Bertram. Uh, what was the... Was it? Is it just Bertram? Is it um, any other details? Where are they from? What area they, they tend to roam through? He never told me his last name, mm, mm -hmm. but the last place I saw him was the city of Lotros. Hmm. Uh, yes. Uh, well, uh, we sometimes eschew or don't care for our, our surnames. We give ourselves over to the order, to the tales, you see. But, uh, yes, actually, uh, now that you mention it, I do recall someone by that name. I didn't interact too much, but as I recall, a relatively... Reserved member, a scholarly member of our order, uh, a little less concerned with the theatrical retellings, so to speak. But I recall him well. Uh, why? Why do you ask? 
And Kashkrin's face has been brightening up a little bit as Warren has been saying this. Do you know where he is? I He was a, a dear friend of mine. Um, the reason I left Lotros, actually, to become an adventurer. Oh, uh, well, and he, like, cuts you off. Just a little, like, just barely steps on your words a little bit. And he's like, oh, uh, well, I, you know, we we wander kind of wherever we are called to, wherever the stories are, you understand. I, I am not really briefed on where someone might be uh, or where they might be headed, where they may have gone. You, you understand, of course. Um, why are you uh, looking for this individual? I was just hoping to get in contact, actually. Bertram was a big part of where I am now, and I was kind of hoping to let him know that I'm in, in Agmar, that I'm an adventurer now. He kind of, like, pauses and looks at you a little bit, and he says, uh, well, sure, I can... I I am sure a message couldn't hurt. What assistance could I possibly offer you? You know, I'll write it down, actually. I'll I'll write a letter. How about that? That sounds great. Great. If you could pass it along, that would be more than appreciated. Happily, of course. I should ask, uh, what are the what are the the group of stalwart adventurers such as yourselves, Warren says, uh doing here? What is it uh that you hope to glean from the the Council of Oak? Val's just sitting here eating as much eating continental <laughs> breakfast as she can. Carbo she has been eating the healthiest of granola on a very, very intense hike. And it's just going to carbo load. Put, put that chocolate syrup on a waffle. <laughs> She's content to listen with like chipmunk cheeks oh my full God. of everything. I can't. What a beautiful image. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Like, imagine Leslie Nope and an unlimited waffle buffet right now. This is what Val's doing. <laughs> Wonderful. Perfect. We're here on a mission from Agmar, actually. Hmm. Uh, I can't really say all the details. Oh. But there is someone we're supposed to meet kind of in this area. We just don't know exactly where. And we're hoping to find some more clues by talking to the council. That seems reasonable to me. I understand. Uh, we often seek. Uh, and you, you tell he's like trying to piece together a fun saying. Uh, we seek things and people without knowing uh, where to find them. Hmm, no, uh, you you understand. Uh, understood. Of course, of course, of course. Also, word has reached us of some kind of incident at Crossroads, and there are refugees headed this way. We are going to entreat the council to allow them to stay here. Amber jumps in and is like, oh, well, that's very surprising. First of all, um, I hadn't heard anything about an attack and would ask you whatever details, obviously, that you guys had. Self said incident. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. How do you know it's an attack? I said incident. Accurately uses That's very, very altruistic of the four of you. Excuse me, of the five of you. Looking kind of over at the fortunate, kind of over over her shoulder. Val will cast Mind Link to cast. And just ask, should we ask Warren his thoughts on the location riddle? As somebody who knows a lot of stories... And might know, like, kind of the sayings of landmarks. You know, that had crossed my mind. Because it's if we reveal the riddle, or at least the parts we're not super familiar with, it's not the whole story. And Catherine will kind of direct the conversation back at Warren a little bit. And we'll say, we are hoping to get some more information about our next stop from the the Council of Oak. But a seasoned storyteller like yourself maybe has heard of some of these places that we're trying to go to. Are you interested in riddles, perhaps? Warren was like, as soon as you were drawing him in, you know, he was leaning forward. He's like, oh, oh, there's information. There's, of course, I'm sure I could be able to help. And you say the word riddle, 
And he just like leans back in his chair and he's like, nah, <laughs> that's not. Baltar and his dwarven assistant steps forward dutifully, having overheard what you were talking about. And his eye is now looking hungry for more than bacon. Warren uh, kind of like gets up, like grabs his plate and is like, I'm going to go get I'm going to go get some more food. You guys talk about riddles. And he gets up. And immediately Baltar, like, slips into his chair behind him. Uh, and Baltar is, again, relatively young, but still uh, a robust dwarf. And he's, um, yeah, so, um, riddles? Yeah? And Castrin will talk to Balthar and write down the riddle that they were given from Garnak. Walk between the world's ladders, beyond the lone island's grave, and the ruins of old, where a hawk of the land extends its wings. And, like, with that, he also accompanies, like, a map that he has. And kind of starts discussing, like, well, he, we thought it was here, we thought it was here, you know, not this. Baltar is, like, listening super intently and makes you read it, like, several times. While you see in the background that Warren is just, like, very slowly picking up individual pieces of bacon, trying to kill time. Because fuck riddles. <laughs> uh, and he's like, oh, yeah, of course, no, I had thought about what if, what, what, what if it was over there? And, oh, of course, it could be interpreted so many different ways. And uh, Amber leans forward and plops a finger down on your map. <laughs> We've definitely narrowed it down to either someplace on this map or someplace not on this map. <laughs> God, I want to be as badass as Amber. Yeah. <laughs> Her finger, you know, kind of thuds on the table a little bit. And she looks down at the map and then looks at anyone who's still at the table or intently listening. And she says... I bet it's right there. And then she lifts her finger up and just kind of northwest down kind of one of the roads that you guys could have traveled down had you gone the, a more road faring direction is a small outcropping of mountains. And she's like, I bet that's what that is. If you're going this this way, that is actually a graveyard. A graveyard? The mountains? Yeah. And Baltar's like, looks also scandalized, like, what do you mean? <laughs> you figured out this riddle before me. What? No. <laughs> yeah. Well, not the whole, not all the mountains, but, and she like points to one in particular that is, you know, at least on your kind of embellished map is a little bit taller than all the other ones. Kind of one of the ones that stands alone. And she's like, yeah, I've been there before. It is a giant burial ground. Do you mean a large burial ground or a giant burial ground? And she kind of like smirks a little bit. And and she says, it, a burial ground for giants. What? It's uh, very ancient. God, I haven't been in, well, a long time. But um, yeah, it. and she gets this like really wistful look on her face. And she says, it's uh, it's very deep. Uh, God, I don't even remember how to get in. Your Golden Tree Adventures, I'm sure you will figure it out. But there is an ancient, beautiful catacomb inside those mountains. That could be what it is. She kind of sits there, like leans back in her chair, a little pleased with herself, but also just kind of reminiscing. And Kaskrin will, will mark on the map where that is. <laughs> and Baltar's like, um, uh, yeah, that could be it. Uh, or maybe did you did they say it out loud? Because island also is like is land, right? Right. And so Val's maybe, just nodding along to be like, just encouraging. Like Val's for sure going where Amber said, but doesn't want to. Fucking, he's trying. There's, <laughs> he's you rearranged the letters of the word it's, hawk. <laughs> there's both, so it's it's the it's the lone island, but it's also is land, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe there's mm -hmm. like an island on land somewhere, right? And Amber just like just nods, mm -hmm. self sips his tea. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Kaskrin will mark on the map where Baltar thinks it is, but in a different colored pen. Well, and and he doesn't think it's anywhere. He <laughs> no, just, no, he's, he's just not pointing out a place. I, I also, I also picture Kaz <laughs> just writing out 
is land? Question mark. And <laughs> Warren, at, by this point, taps his apprentice on the shoulder and just kind of like, all right, that's enough. And Baltor, like, as he's, like, getting up, he leans in. He's like, can I, can I take this map? I think I'm close to something. Uh, I'll give it back. Yeah, I yeah, just... sure. And he gets up and, like, scurries to a table and, like, pulls out, like, a set of colored quills. <laughs> that he just starts making Charlie Day meme, <laughs> you know, just, like, crazy uh, theories around. Oh, my God. Is there, like, a, a neck tattoo that he has? But it's like Sudoku. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and just like puzzles, like a crossword puzzle in one arm or something. Yes, the absolutely. I don't know I don't know what it's I don't know what it represents, but yes, it does yes he does. It's the grid for like Joey sits next to Bobby. <laughs> but Bobby doesn't sit next to you. Yeah. And uh Warren comes back, he's like, um, did he help did he help with the riddle thing? He was very enthusiastic about the riddle thing. He provided input, yes. And Warren's like, okay, well, as long as the riddle part's over, that's that's fine. The the riddle part is over. It is safe to come out. Do you guys know where you're headed? What direction you guys are headed? And Catherine will say louder than he needs to, well, once Baltar helps us figure it out. Warren just fucking rolls his eyes. We will know exactly where we're headed towards. But just to be safe, I think we'll talk to the Council of Oak anyway and just get some some context, you know. And he says, well, that's, um, that never, never hurts. And of course, Amber, um, anything you can remember about the area would also be helpful. And now, a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by A Foul Light Shines, a new free serial novel based on a D&D campaign. The Empire of Fire and Water has known 20 golden years of peace since the end of Agenion's War, a peace which is now in peril. When a ragtag group of friends intervene in a grotesque monster attack, they're too late to save a wounded man who leaves them with an encrypted journal and the words, Trust no one, Tyre. Can the gang find Tyre, escape the claws of more strange monsters, and uncover the lurking threat to the Empire before it's too late? This story features themes of found family and strength and diversity, and is available for free on Campfire and Royal Road. A foul light shines. Come for the fantasy. Stay for the cheese-obsessed goblin gunslinger. Hello, this is your pilot speaking. I would like to welcome you to Reckless Airlines. Our total flight time for this episode is approximately one hour, and we will be cruising at an altitude of 2,000 frog stacks. In a little bit, the fight attendants will be by with complimentary clips and excerpts from previous Reckless Attack episodes. We know you have a lot of choices when it comes to 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons actual play podcasts, and we would like to thank you for choosing ours. If you enjoyed your experience during today's episode, please be sure to fill out the in-flight survey and leave us a rating or review, or tell a friend. Book your next flight with us at www.recklessattack.com, and thank you for listening. She looks up at you guys and she's like, "Ah, uh, I mean, I remember plenty about the area. Just depends on, I guess, what you're what you're looking to learn. The way I see it, I uh, I helped you guys out, gave you, uh, we'll say, part of a clue to the riddle. She looks meaningfully over at Baltar now scribbling and now it's posted up on the wall somehow. And uh, I'm happy to help you guys some more. But I, uh, you know, I'd like a. Uh, to learn more about you first. If you wouldn't mind answering a few of my questions, I can maybe answer a few more of yours. I'm game. I don't see why not. And Catherine will go grab another cup of coffee. Me too, please. <laughs> Two cups of coffee. Four cups of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> and Selv will, will get some more tea and another plate of, of food. Maybe a couple more vegetables on this one, but still. Yeah, Val's getting like 
sugar overload. She's, she's going <laughs> to slow down on the waffles a little bit, drink some water, have some fruit or other. I, I just immediately pictured Val like the kid from the Iron Giant after he has the espresso. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As you guys are bustling around, uh, Amber just kind of like leans back in her chair and gets kind of very, very still and very, you know, kind of uh, contemplative. As Warren continues to chomp on bacon or whatever things he busied himself getting. And as you guys come back, she looks at all of you guys. She kind of smirks and she says, So all I do now is I wander. I travel. Uh, I explore. I investigate. I, um, I help where I can. But mostly I try to reconnect to this world and, and try to be a meaningful part of it. I've tried to do that for a long time. And uh, one of the ways that I did it was actually as a gilder. I'm not anymore. Uh, I left that uh, behind me and I actually I try very hard to leave that behind me. But I still have a great affection for, for gilders. Uh, I'm, I know of the Golden Tree Guild have a lot of affection for that one as well. I guess my question for the four of you is, what kind of guilders are you? Are you the type to charge headlong into danger, seek it out wherever it finds you, and are you the do anything for the next pile of gold or treasure? Is it exploring the strange wilds? Is it doing what's right no matter the cost? I would like to clarify, we don't charge into danger. It finds us frequently. I She she kind of giggles a little bit. Uh, it's like, yep, I understand. I understand that. Uh, even those who look for it often find themselves in those positions. Catherine will turn to Amber and say, I feel like I'm the kind of adventurer that puts a little more good into the world every day, as much as I can. I want to help people. I want to leave the world a better place than I found it. I don't know exactly what that means yet. I've been adventuring for maybe a couple months. Still early. But that's the kind of adventurer that I hope to be. A fine answer. She just nods at you kind of appreciatively. I'll echo Cass in that I do want to help people and you know ensure that I'm putting my skills towards the greater good. Hmm. I will admit, I am also a seeker of knowledge. So She nods, kind of looking pointedly <laughs> at the slew of holy yeah. symbols that you presumably have about you. Mm-hmm. And that I joined the guild to learn as much as possible from everyone I meet. Hmm. And maybe leaving them with a little bit more knowledge after we've interacted. She also kind of smiles and, and looks at you. But her countenance changes a little bit. And she says, yes, the uh, the path of worship of uh, gods is uh, not one that has made sense to me for some time. But I am ever glad that it brings... Peace to fellow mortals. And a lot of good, thanks to the mortals who do that work. Selv will kind of steeple his fingers. Well, I received a direct invitation at my monastery to join the Golden Tree Adventuring Guild. Very romantic. Indeed. But, um, I was curious as to what had happened to my... Very distant cousins, the dragons. As far as we know, they just disappeared. And while the monastery has information about this, um, there's only so much there. And joining the guild seemed a good, a good way to be able to go out and perhaps find more information and to learn what happened to them. Hmm. It's almost as if a, uh, a large portion of the family tree suddenly disappeared. <laughs> And at this answer, she's even kind of more bemused than the last ones. And she actually breaks into a bit of a smile for that one. And she says, ah, yes, the disappearance of the dragons and the saints. As I understand it, that's been 
the subject of much scholarly pursuit. I certainly have my guesses and theories, but I hope you find what you're looking for. Selva just kind of looks straight at Val. <laughs> I do as well. Checkers has been mostly useless this whole conversation. <laughs> like the way I'm imagining this this morning going is Checkers is just like dead on his feet, laying on top of Mango. Mango has just been going around to different people, just like smushing his face up against them, just begging for trying food. to get anyone. Yeah. I feel like Mango did not have to move on from Cass. Yeah. Like, Mango, got, Mango got a supply of whatever yeah. he wanted straight from Cass. Right, Cass has right. been just yeah. making him waffle after waffle. Yeah, it like started with a grape, and then it went with a whole slice of bacon, and then it was another <laughs> waffle. And now it's just like, you know, orange juice and like whatever you want. <laughs> and Checkers kind of perks up from where he's laying on Mango. Uh, and he says, I don't really know what kind of gilder I am. I think that I'm the kind of gilder that tries to have the most fun I can. But Kaskrin always says the point of a gilder is to help people. And I don't know if I've been doing a lot of that so far, but... I like to think that I will be a pretty good adventurer one day, if not the best adventurer. I just imagine Checkers just being like, so I'm going to help other people have as much fun as they possibly yeah. <laughs> can, whether they like it or not. Yeah. <laughs> I was really expecting him to change his answer to, and I'm going to be the best adventurer, like Nazar the Black. Or yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I heard Nazar the Black was the best yeah. adventurer, so maybe you can tell me some more about that. Um, I'm going to be just like him when yeah. I grow up. <laughs> Just then, there's a knock on the door. And after kind of a respectful silence, <laughs> presumably someone, maybe Warren, just shouts up, yeah, come in, I guess. The door swings open, and you guys see Juniper standing there, the halfling raven mount who has kind of been your, we'll call it guide, in your small time here in Deepwood. And he just kind of walks in, is like, hey guys, um... Just want to make sure you're all up. You're all good. Uh, I thought maybe in the next couple of minutes we could like start making our way over to the the chambers. Uh, if everyone's everyone's good, everyone's ready. Belle folds her waffle into a breakfast taco, and it's now <laughs> portable. Val, the smallest, basically <laughs> by volume of anyone. She's um, eaten her volume of waffles <laughs> this morning, and everyone kind of like bustles up, grabs their things. Warren grabs Baltar, drags him away, and hands you back your map, which has been, unfortunately, scribbled nonsense all over. At least one of the maps that you guys have. And Val has a second copy. I was going to say, there's no way that Berga let you leave with only one map. <laughs> right. That is ridiculous. Especially with the Great Wizard Xerox available. Right, exactly. <laughs> well, I think, what well, I don't remember with the Desk of Doing. Desk of Doing, you can make a duplicate. Yeah, so easy peasy. And... Everyone, again, kind of grabs what few things they have. And you actually notice that Amber has all of her stuff with her, um, like what kind of scant backpack and stuff that she had. Uh, it's pretty basic for someone who apparently allegedly just wanders the wilds of Rixia all the time. You guys kind of all find yourselves, uh, you know, kind of walking in a, in a group after kind of you guys finish the bustle of getting ready, chugging your last coffees, trying to like do a little like competitive eater like torso <laughs> jiggle to really settle those waffles before this council meeting and checkers you find that amber is walking next to you uh-huh and it's a quiet couple minutes and presumably there's a few people who are like already asking juniper questions because juniper's like well so are you guys ready do you have any questions about like what the council's like and blah 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 and amber just turns to you checkers mm -hmm. and still kind of smirking she says your answer was uh, my favorite. Nice. I don't agree with it, but it was my favorite answer. That means that I'm your favorite, right? Maybe. <laughs> she just like pauses for a second. Maybe. But my answer. A gilder is someone who sees the possibility of a better world. She like kind of squints at you and like really makes meaningful eye contact. Uh -huh. And is willing to put themselves on the line to achieve it. That was all the best people that I knew. Sure, some of them did it differently. Many of them, including me for a while, did it with others. But that was the secret that I found. You said you were a gilda with others, right? Yes. What guild were you from? 
Oh, um, like I said, I that time in my life was very different. I was different, and I left it all behind. You understand. To live the life that I lead now, I had to. I can't be tethered to things like that, and it's it's painful. You understand. The possibility of a better world, huh? Hmm. The group of you guys all walk together. Uh, I assume the fortunate is with you guys. And Juniper leads you. You guys see his raven mount. And you walk back through the city. Even though it's daytime, it is still pretty empty. You see a little bit more activity, but people are even more bundled up. Being essentially not able to be out in the sun very much, it is still pretty quiet. Is it sunny inside the tree? I'm kind of imagining that because it's morning, it is just high enough. Like uh, the city itself is like just high enough that there's like a gap that in the morning and evening, sun comes like straight in. But unfortunately for the people and probably, again, just suppressing the number of people out, it is the sun is just at the perfect angle where it is lit beautifully. The city is majestic in the sunlight. It glistens off of off of dew, off of the bark. You can see rainbows from the huge waterfalls that are falling on either side of this city. And in a way that you didn't get last night, you truly start to kind of feel the splendor of this place. Juniper leads you, and he kind of gives you a little bit of information on, okay, you know, here's how it goes, here's the setup. You guys, you three groups, are the only people that are on the docket. The agenda is talking to the three groups of outsiders, and that is it. He gives you a little info on kind of the council itself, and he basically says, hey, don't worry about individual members. You have to convince kind of the council at large. Um, you'll see what I mean. Eventually, you guys go up even a couple of layers and take more kind of those strange elevators mm -hmm. that go up to the second layer. I know when there's like the big central yeah. one. Are there like smaller elevators kind of dotted around that yes. maybe just like go up to like one terrace or exactly there's there and and there are and there are spiral stairs as cool. well those are much grander but also a little more arduous and <laughs> <laughs> are not the preferred way to get between tiers but Checkers. they also are there i'll race you i'll take the <laughs> elevator you take the stairs <laughs> i'm not falling for that one again and uh and you guys go up to the tier and it's it is the tier right next to the giant mirror that theoretically, makes up the lighthouse portion that is supposed to make it the beacon of this part of the world, at least when it wasn't closed off to others. You kind of catch just a glimpse of it, but it is amazing and ornate, and it appears like it has wood carvings along the outside with detail you can't make out, but you can tell even at a distance must have been worked by not just one master, but many masters. And it's just an exquisite piece of the old world. And behind it, you are led through some doors into a fairly large room. There are several rows of chairs, all of them basically empty, aside from a couple of guards kind of smattered here and there. Juniper leads you past these rows of very old, again, beautiful wooden chairs. And on either side of you are beautiful stained glass windows that are just depicting scenes in nature. At the end of this room are what look like willow branches, just kind of dangling down with deep foliage and you can't see through them there's so much and they're so lush you guys are led to the front take your seats and after just a moment or two you see the willow branches start to part through some mystical unseen force and behind them you see what appears to be 
a strangely shaped, thick tree. It is only as tall as this room, probably 20, 30 feet, but it is extremely stout and fills almost the entire end of the room. And sitting in this tree, in almost little like cups or lectern kind of things, you see 12 people. All of them appear to be very old. They are standing there in this tree. Their eyes are closed until another beat and each of them open their eyes where it looks like pure sunlight is coming out of their eyes. They open their mouths to speak in unison and sunlight also pours from their mouth as they, as they speak and say the following. We are the elders of Deepwood. We speak as the light and tradition of the city forest and the forest city. In this sacred room, we speak and decide with one voice. Our decisions are communal and held in reverence. And they all slowly turn their gaze down to you all, the outsiders. As these gazes kind of look down on you, again, you can now see it is, again, every every type of mortal, every gender, but all of them appear just very old. As their gaze kind of falls down to you, Juniper looks around at everyone, and he nods first to Warren. Warren stands up, steals himself a little bit, and walks forward. As he does, kind of finds kind of a central place, and you see the tree above opens up and shines light from somewhere down onto him like a spotlight. Warren looks up at the council, and he says... Respected elders, I am a member of the Tailspun Order. You may know, but we are those who gather and preserve stories and make sure they are told across the world. It has been many years since we have been to Deepwood, and I am here to ask you to please share the richness of your stories of yourselves with the rest of the world so that we may all know each other better. The voices all chime in in perfect unison and say, What sort of stories do you seek? And Warren almost like shrugs and he's like, I will, I will take anything. No story is too small nor too big. I will tell the story as I am told it and will share it with the rest of my order to be preserved as is. Perfect. A snapshot. The council pauses for a moment. Our stories are not for those outside of our city. This is denied. And Warren just kind of like pauses, almost surprised and stunned. And he almost goes to say something and Juniper, like, puts a hand on his, like, back. Warren kind of snaps out of it and bows to the council and returns to his seat. Amber steps up very smoothly and looks at this council and bows very respectfully. And you immediately all get this sense of decorum. She turns to these elders. She starts speaking in a language that Val understands and checkers can pick up snippets of. It is Sylvan. As she starts speaking in Sylvan, Mm -hmm. I feel like Val... It, her interest is piqued as to why she chooses a different language. Mm-hmm. It might just pull out the liminal looking glass mm-hmm. and keep it in her lap. 
even though Selv does not actually mm-hmm. understand Sylvan, I want to try to get a read on the council members and of Amber and see kind of like, can I tell if this is like based on body language, yeah. is this going well or is somebody totally. getting frustrated? Okay. You know, that kind of I'm going to have both of the things happen roughly at the same okay. time. So she kind of goes into her entreatment and she, she looks very calmly at this council, very warmly and says, respected elders, council of Oak, I am so happy to see that this tree remains full. I come to you asking you to share a secret with someone who long ago called the people who lived here and the people who lived in the forest great friends. I come to you speaking the tongue of old, for I ask you to tell me where the Oaken Druids are so that I may find them and seek their counsel. She kind of like bows again and then looks directly at them. No one says anything on the council, but they each have kind of a weird reaction where they're almost individually processing it while linked to everyone else's brain. And they respond in Sylvan and say, If you are a friend... You know, that is not possible. That secret is dear to us. It is partially our charge to ensure their location, their mission, remains undisturbed and unshared. Self, could you roll me that insight check? Sure. Ooh, 11. You definitely get that... Whatever she asked, they said no. It's a little different tenor than they said no to Warren. Warren, they were just like, no, no absolutely <laughs> not. For Amber, it was there was a there was a little more consideration. There's a little more something there. But as soon as there's a no, you see Amber kind of bristle a little. She continues in Sylvan and says, "I have obeyed the courtesies. I." come to you as a friend I have done what is required of me why do you forbid this of me and again they respond it is not our secret to give Amber says you don't understand I need to speak to them the council says though we do not know who you are we appreciate that you have come to us and shown us this Great respect. That is all we will say. And then Amber, you can see, kind of like sticks her tongue kind of like in the corner of her mouth a little bit as if she's kind of chewing on her tongue and thinking a bit. And then she lets out a whistle, a piercing whistle, an almost magically amplified whistle out of her mouth and begins striding forward towards the council everything moves in slow motion and I say that because everything literally starts to move in slow motion as you guys are perceiving reality slowing down around you you look out of the corner of your eye just barely fast enough or just barely not slow enough out of each of the stained glass windows on either side of you You see large shapes that come into view as two giant ravens fly through the window. You see all of the colored glass moving in slow motion towards you. And then everything changes. There are two strange, almost they look like animal constructs now standing between... Amber and the council and everyone else in the chamber. The birds kind of skid down to a halt and beat their massive wings surrounding everyone in this chamber as if time had stopped for just a moment. And you see across the room, Amber is no longer there. Instead, 
you see a thin figure dressed in robes wearing a strange wooden horned mask. This individual has kind of bluish skin punctuated by strange, almost runic-looking glowing tattoos on the few bits of skin you can see. They step forward with a walking stick and a golden lantern and says, it may not be your secret to give, but it is mine to take. And that is where we'll win this week's episode. Mother! What? <laughs> See you next no. week, everyone. No. I don't like this anymore. need everyone to do a light sound test one more time because I have adjusted everyone's microphones and I will continue to do so until behavior improves. (laughs) (laughs) Buds. 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 Purple suede. I'm changing it again, you guys. (laughs) Red, yellow, yellow leather. What? (laughs) I said what I said. Red pleather, yellow pleather. Fucking say something to me. How are we looking? Everything good? I'm sleepy. Uh, can you say one more thing? Red suede. Yes. How's it, how's it looking? This is me Wait, talking. This is good. Okay. Perfect. Cool. Red suede. Yellow suede. <clears throat> Yellow suede. Chartreuse velvet. Caboose. Chartreuse. Patrick suede. <laughs> <laughs> Great.